This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Hello and welcome to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. In this episode, I have the pleasure of talking to Shailash Kumar. He's a senior vice president and head of technology at ClickUp. It's the fastest growing productivity platform. And we're going to be talking about building a hyperscale engineering organization and retaining talent in today's environment. I'm your host, Jeff Perry. I'm the founder of More Than Engineering and the creator of the Engineering Career Accelerator program. And my mission is to help engineers and technology professionals with leadership and career coaching to create meaningful careers and lives. And this is the Engineering Career Coach podcast brought to you by EMI, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Now let's jump right in. Now it's time to jump right into the main segment of our episode. Today I have the pleasure to have with me Shailesh Kumar. He's a senior vice president and head of technology at ClickUp. Shailesh, so grateful to have you here. Welcome to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. We're excited to have this conversation, but we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So if you can tell us in your own words a little bit about you, your background, and your career journey up to this point. So I grew up in India, the grad there, started my career with Microsoft, uh, one of the, just long back, started in the file systems place, and then uh, grew up to be an architect at Informatica. I was reluctant manager, so the manager of my team had left, and I was pushed to do management. I loved writing code. The writing code and shipping something gave me that satisfaction, which I didn't think that I would move to management and I would enjoy that. So got to be a manager and really enjoyed it. I enjoyed enabling people. I enjoyed uh, leading and seeing the impact that you can have over a broader organization. Really enjoyed that, took to it, and went on from there. After Informatica, joined Tableau. Tableau was in a very early stage, built an enterprise suite of products at Tableau, built the data management side of business for Tableau, and then moved to MuleSoft to join the platform organization in order to stabilize the platform. And also, MuleSoft is a very enterprise-heavy company. We chartered with taking it more towards mid-market. So did some acquisitions and took MuleSoft to more of mid-market. That's when I started realizing that I enjoy the scaling part of the business. I love scaling businesses, really enjoy it. And when my conversation started with ClickUp, it was a match made in heaven. I really enjoyed the people around, uh, Zeb, Tommy, Dan, and everyone around and enjoyed the business. The product, product is amazing, very outstanding product. And the space it is in, productivity space, I think it's poised for a lot of innovation and explosion. It has not seen a lot of innovation, and especially with the COVID and remote work environment, I think it is it is time to revisit how we work, and ClickUp is exactly doing that. So very, very excited to be joining ClickUp to take it to the next phase of its journey as we scale. Yeah, maybe just for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about what ClickUp is and, and some of the things that it enables for its users. 
So ClickUp is a work platform that brings all of your work at one place. So think of tasks, docs, chat, whiteboard. You can have all those products in the one platform. So you can go from tasks to docs to collaborating with your teammates on a whiteboard with a single flick. And it all of that is integrated on the same platform. So that gives you a lot more productivity as you navigate through different products that ClickUp has. And there are obviously a lot of competitors in that space, a lot of different uh, tools out there. But it's interesting, as I was looking up a little bit about ClickUp before we got on this call in this episode, to learn a little bit about the the different ways that ClickUp approaches this space, because organizing work across individuals and teams and locations and different things is a critical function that we all need to figure out to do well in this modern era. And it seems like ClickUp is, is taking a different approach to that than some of the other things that I've seen. It, we're seeing a lot of traction from our users, massive user growth, and users love the integrated aspect of how everything comes together on the platform and also the visual aspect of how we let users customize, organize their work. It's a cool thing to be working on these days and, and certainly things that tools that we need. So I want to talk about the landscape of technology and engineering these days. It seems like if I'm on LinkedIn or other places almost every day, it seems like there's another layoff that I see pretty well-known companies and, and other things. And so, but at the same time, companies are having a hard time hiring great talent. So shaky on both ends in, in some ways. So there's a lot of competition and battle across companies. So and also the great resignation, people looking for things they're really interested in. So how are you seeing this impact you? And as you've been a member of ClickUp and over the last few months, last year or so, been able to grow the team, talk about how you've been able to, to appropriately grow the team and, and scale up the organization and the capabilities there. What's that journey been like for you in this landscape? I mean, the journey has been amazing, very rewarding and fruitful. I will say that different phases of the organization requires different tactics. There's many organizational philosophies around, you know, how do you go from pioneers to you know, settlers to town planners, or how do you go through different phases of the organization? And every phase requires a different set of people. If this, when any organization gets into the scale phase, it needs to get away from individual heroics and starts towards teams and organization. That's the main shift that every leader has to go through. And we went through the same shift as you started hiring. Some of the things that we considered, especially as we are scaling, right? Some of the things that we considered, like, of course, as we interview people, we want to have baseline competency. So we make sure that the baseline competency is there. Our baseline competency is very high. So we, we make sure that people who are coming in are very technical, very smart. But there are two things we significantly consider, at least at this stage, is that they need to have the grit. Like, you know, when you come to a, start, come to a startup or a smaller company, there are lots of ups and downs. Look at the market. Like, you know, it's a perfect examples of the ups and downs you will see. So you're going to have the grit to weather it all. To, you know what, whatever curveball the market or the economy or the company will throw at me, I will figure out how to handle that. You're going to have that grit in order to survive. So that's something that we heavily index on. We make sure that we hire people who are resilient in nature. And then the third thing we focus on is culture fit. It's extremely important for us. We have a specific culture that we want to make sure that we are hiring for the, that culture. Outside of baseline competency, I think we significantly index on finding people who are resilient and finding people who are culturally fit at ClickUp. It has helped us significantly. It has helped us scale and it has helped us build an environment where we are not faced by all the economic ups and downs, but we are like, get your heads down. We know what we're going to do. We have to make our users successful and go from there. You mentioned grit and resilience and also the culture fit. 
Sometimes those traits, if you will, they feel really subjective in order to measure. So how do you as a leader and, and, and also the, the other leaders on your teams and, and people who are selecting potential employees and people to join, how do you measure and analyze and, and select people according to those criteria that sometimes seems so subjective to be able to figure out if they're really going to have that resilience and, and be that culture fit that you're looking for? So it is very subjective, true. And uh, I will say that we have made mistakes. It's not a perfect algorithm. You will make mistakes, but the two things we do, one is we ask about their past experiences, ask about you know times when they have disagreed in their organization, times when they have to overcome a specific decision, how did they disagree and commit. We ask those behavioral questions, we give them situations, real life situations that they have faced and get into conversations, understanding why they took those decisions. And that tells us a lot. That generally tells us a lot about their decision-making process. People don't change overnight. So if, let's say, you have a specific decision-making process that you have honed for last, I don't know, many, many years, you know what? There's a very high likelihood that you'll probably exhibit the same decision-making process as you join ClickUp. So that's something that we do. We also talk about how have we driven, let's say, a specific strategy or something across the organization. Let's say for a developer, they did not write, they did not like how the CI/CD check-in process was that was was in the company. We asked that, what did you do? There are some people who you know complain and just complain, and there are some people who say, you know what, I'm going to take it up and fix it. We try to figure out that all right, if you don't like something, what did you do after that? Because that tells a lot about the candidate and the person. These give us a lot more information about just the behavior and how they will come and work at ClickUp. It's really kind of dependent on how you go through that behavioral interview experience to really understand their ability to show these traits that you're looking for. Correct. So as you're going through this process and trying to select the best people for the team, why do you think that these traits are so important? You mentioned like, yeah, they need to have the the base level of technical competence, but in some cases, perhaps maybe the best technical engineer might not actually be the best choice for the organization. So can you talk a little bit more why that is and how these traits weigh against the technical competencies of of candidates? This is sometimes when people are probably not too technical, but uh, they're some of the best technical engineers. Sometimes they focus too much on technology and not focus on the business problem that that you're trying to solve. And especially in a SaaS world, it's more important. Think about this way, right? You go on a website. You don't care what's happening behind the scenes as long as you get a great experience, as long as your problem gets solved. So it's less about the technology and it's more about the problem that is being solved. Now, of course, good technology scales well and solves better problems in a more scalable way. But the focus has to be on the business problem you're trying to solve and not the technology behind the business problem. So that's something that I've constantly seen that a lot of technical leaders, they miss that and they get too much into the technology and miss the bigger picture. The second thing which I've seen is that if they're not culturally fit, sometimes the technical, very, very technical leaders, they bring more friction in the organization. And these friction, they might be great individually, but as an organization, and this is where I'm talking about, you have to go from individual heroics to organization, But as an organization, when you look at a whole, they are net negative. If you take a step back and look at 10 people in the organization and you look at one person, might be technically extremely competent, but culturally not fit, the output of that 10-person team might be going down because of that one individual. And you know what? You're you're better off not having them than having them. These are some things that I've observed, especially 
that you have to watch out for as you're scaling organization and not get swayed by individual heroics. You have to build a team, a team that is coherent, team that works with each other. And that's critical. You mentioned like sometimes it can be a net negative. Obviously, we want every new person to be a net positive and a culture add as we go through this. You know, sometimes I've, I've heard people call those people who might be detractors in an organization, even though they're very technically competent, like a brilliant jerk kind of a thing. You know, they're fantastic technically. But if they destroy the productivity and, and ability of others to do great work and collaborate with them, then they're not actually adding to the needs. And, and I also love what you talked about, like, hey, there's a business problem to be solved for the users and the experience they're trying to have. The technology behind that doesn't necessarily matter as much as long as it provides the end result that you're looking for. And obviously is maintainable, reliable, and all those things need to be taken care of. You know, the how that happens isn't as important as the, the experience for the end users and, and need to continue to stay focused on that end user problem, which is a big deal there. So there's some great insights there. We've talked a little bit about the kind of candidate experience and what you're looking for. What about talking to leaders who are also trying to scale their organizations? You know, you've grown multiples in, in the last few months or last year. So what about other leaders who are trying to grow their teams, scale their organizations? And as they're trying to figure out how they go about doing that, what are the critical roles that they should make sure to, to put in and prioritize as they are growing in this way? I will start with this, that I always believe in crawl, walk, run methodology. I'll explain why is that, so when you're scaling the organization, think of that as running. You gotta crawl and walk. So as a leader, you have to first set the organization. Set the organization right before you scale. For example, do you have the right onboarding process? Is the engineering process set up well? Do you have the right CI/CD process so that when engineers come in, they can actually check in code and not frustrated with some of the, the process friction. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to solve everything, but you have to have some of those basics need to be put in place before scaling. Once you have these basics in, you can start to scale your organization. And the first thing I recommend is hire leaders first because they set the tone of the organization. They'll also help you hire and they'll close the candidates well. They'll having a leader always gives a very good candidate experience because anyone coming in, they want to know whom am I going to report to? What is this team going to do? And without a leader in place, it will be very difficult for you to explain that. These leaders will also be able to pull from their network. You know, that's always that works very well. The problem is that if you have leaders, if you hire the leaders first and then hire a lot of engineers, this process takes longer, but you will definitely avoid a lot of churn. So the process of scaling is longer. If you can afford I mean, there's always a business to be business case to be made here, but if your business can afford going through those crawl, walk and run methodology and hiring the leaders first, it will take slightly longer, but you'll have an amazing outcome. You will have an amazing outcome, both in terms of the candidates you're hiring and also the culture that you will be setting in building that organization. That's my advice. A lot of times I've talked to a lot of leaders who want to immediately start hiring that, hey, I have to hire like 30, 40 people in the next three or four or five months and let's just go and hire. You'll have to set up your processes, right? Otherwise, you'll end up churning a lot of people who will join you. Yeah, and you might uh, have a lot of expensive uh, engineers that might not be as productive and coming in being as effective as you would otherwise want them to be. So it makes sense to go a little bit slower so that you can run more effectively in those cases. That makes plenty of sense. Talk to us about, as you're onboarding new people, you talked about that, the importance of that onboarding process, setting that up early on. How do you go about onboarding new hires into the team and trying to set them up for success? 
Because obviously you bring an engineer onto the team and you're trying to get them up to speed and get them to contribute as soon as possible. How do you go about doing that and shortening that time to contribution as quickly as possible? So at Kickup, we have a very, very robust onboarding process. And let me walk you through the onboarding process that will help you understand how we do it. So the week one is focused on everyone understanding how we work, our culture, various systems, and team-specific onboardings. And one of the unique things we do is what we call product lab for our new employees. I personally have found this extremely valuable, and I will highly, highly recommend everyone doing this. This lab is about, it's a couple of days, a few hours every day where you learn about the product, you have given a use case, and you try to use the product to solve that use case. And many a times you have engineers joining in who don't have the in-depth experience of how the user uses it, and you want your developers to have a deeper understanding of the product before they get exposed to the code in order to build empathy for the user. And once you have that, it gives them a great experience. I would highly, highly recommend this. This works very well. Post week one, we transition them to team-specific onboardings where they learn about team's code ownership, operational rhythm, team's goals, and OKRs, and then we go from there. I will say that my recommendation on onboarding is do not shorten this. Like this is a time when the engineer is coming in, they don't have a pressure of delivering in their sprints. So let them take their time to understand the product, understand the systems, because once they are going, they will not get time to understand it better. So I would not recommend shortening the onboarding process, have a very robust onboarding process. Like you're hiring these developers and building this relationship for a long time. You you know, one or two weeks here and there does not matter as much. Do not shorten it because this is the best investment you'll make as the new folks join in. You have this time of investment into these new engineers that you're trying to get them up to speed. But some of that time in the onboarding also takes away from the people who are on the team and the leaders or, or their peers and stuff. So how do you balance the other people that are part of that onboarding process, helping connect with these new engineers and also the work that they have involved to get done for the company? How do you balance that aspect? So some parts, what we have done is that we have onboarding team which takes away anything that is not team specific. So the onboarding team does all their onboarding about culture and how we work and the systems. So that takes away at least some pressure of, from the team members. But outside of that, we give them buddies. Everyone gets assigned a buddy and that buddy, it does take some impact on that person's productivity. There's like, there's no doubt about that, but that helps build also relationships with the team. It is impactful to the team. Every time a new person joins in, the team is also, you know, goes through the, you know, norming, forming, storming phase. And uh, it does have some churn, but then again, you're better off having great onboarding experience here. So you're setting up the team as for a long term. So this definitely helps. I haven't found a lot of other ways outside of taking away the things that are broadly applicable to a more of onboarding team and assigning them buddies has always helped because it's more focused. It's not distributed across the entire team. It's more focused on one person. And uh, that person also can help the new person get onboarded faster. Do you have any final piece of advice to engineers out there, especially if they're interested in, in joining a, a startup and, and a team that's growing like this? What are some of the things that they might be able to do to kind of stand out and be recognized and have an opportunity like that? So one thing that I would highly recommend is be aware of the latest technology and learn, read. I think in the software industry, one of the things that I've seen personally is software industry is probably one of the fastest moving industry. And if you're not caught up on the latest technologies 
and what's happening from a, both from a technology and a business perspective, you get left behind very, very quickly. Like you can become obsolete in just two or three years if you're not reading up. So one of the things that you will have to do is read up and let, read up new technologies, understand what are the new ways of doing things. Because a lot of time we interview people from you know some of the very, very large companies. And in these large companies, they're used to some of the older technologies or very specific ways of working in you know companies like Microsoft, Salesforce, and others. And they're not exposed to how can I do this better in using various other services that are already available in the ecosystem. And they do, we definitely see them struggle. So that's something that I would highly recommend. Read up on as the software industry is evolving, there are lots of services out there that helps users build their code faster. If you're aware of those services, it's a great way to scale. Nowadays, you don't have to build a lot of systems in-house. You can leverage a lot of systems externally, but in order to leverage them, you got to know them. And that's something that I've constantly seen missing, especially from people who are not exposed to that and definitely puts them at a disadvantage. Very good. Well, this has been a fun conversation. At this point, we're going to transition into the Take Action Today segment of the show where we'll get one final piece of actionable advice from Shailash. We'll be right back. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Shailash, we've had a fun conversation about growing engineering organizations, being great candidates, and different things like this. But for those who are trying to continue to grow their career in different traits, what is the action and suggestion you would have for them to start today or or grow these days? I think the first thing I would start with the leaders are readers and you got to invest in yourself. It could be a physical book, a Kindle or whatever works for you. Pick up a book and read. Investing in yourself, either from a business perspective or a technology is the best thing you can do. That's the number one thing I would say. Pick up a book. Fabulous advice. I'm a big reader myself, and we could talk books all day, I'm sure. But find books that are impactful for you and read and invest in that way. So thanks so much for such a fun conversation. If people are interested in connecting with you, learning more about ClickUp or other things, where would you point them here? Connect me over LinkedIn. Happy to share thoughts. Happy to connect. Happy to help anyone whom I can help and have any impact on their life, career. Happy to do that. Thanks so much for a great conversation. Wish you and the team nothing but continued success. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. I really hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. You can go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books that we mentioned. And don't forget to check out any upcoming live webinars also at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for any engineers who are struggling and need help taking the next career step, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.com dot org.